You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Am I am I on? Am I on? I can't see. Oh, there I go. Okay. Welcome. Welcome to We Live in Color. I am so happy to be here today. Um, I have a great guest. But before we do, remember to like, share, and subscribe to Converge Media and this channel, We Live in Color. I'm so happy um, to have my next guest today, not just because they're a person in community, but they're one of my best friends. Um, when we talk about community, we don't give Black men an opportunity to be vulnerable or to have an opportunity to t- tell their truth. Today, Brandon Sanchez is my guest. This is going to be probably my best show. Um, and I can't wait to talk to him. And he'll be back after these messages. You're watching We Live in Color. Portland, once again, is song as Converge Media joins hands with the Trap Kitchen for the Trap Kitchen Weekend, Friday, November 18th at the Roseland Theater in downtown Portland. This is your guy, Cool Nuts, from Converge Media and Jammin' 107.5, inviting you to join me, G. Perico, Jay Worthy, Savvy Third, Asia, and many more. Hosted by Trap Kitchen's own Monty Blanco from VH1's Black Ink Compton as we celebrate food, music, and culture like only the Trap Kitchen can. Tap in with me in the Trap Kitchen weekend, Friday, November 18th at the Roseland Theater here in Portland. And make sure and follow Trap Kitchen PDX for more details or get your tickets today at roselandpdx.com. And we're back we live in color and my guest today, Brandon Sanchez. What's up, brother? What's up? How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing I'm doing all right. I'm happy to have you here. Um you wear very many hats in community, from coaching to being an instructor in, in the schools with our youth. The work that you do with youth, community members have spoken volumes about it. But like before we get there, can take us back. Like, um, what was it like growing up in this? Well, in the CD South thing, because you was kind of Beacon Hillish, so you were kind of like in the middle. So, <laughs> well, actually, I started up uh, growing up in Yester Terrace. Uh, I spent my first couple years over there um, with my uncle uh, Junior Green, my cousin Michael Green, Dante. Um, I did live in the South End for about two years throughout my time. But after that, I was mainly in the CD and Beacon Hill, like throughout high school. And you played like for CAYs back then. Yeah. Before, because I think you were, were you playing before the, the the change, the name change, right? Yeah, yeah. So ultimately what started me even wanting to play football was my cousin Michael Green had this bomber jacket from CAY, like 92 champs. And I was like, that's, I'm going to go play for them. And then. After that, I started, I played for CAY and for CD Panthers, and that was that. What was it like? Because, I mean, we, we, we see right now, like, with um, the death of Mr. Pickett, right, in, in the in community. What impact did your coaches have on you? Uh, my coaches were really my only African-American male mentors for me. Like, um, I ultimately played sports out of a way of, like, pain and frustration of how I was – growing up in my community. Like I, people don't know, but I really used to get bullied up until like you, seven. Gra- you got bullied. <laughs> yeah. Can we talk a little bit about that? Like, yeah, bullied? I mean, for the most part, a lot of people 
you know, you got, we grew up with a lot of cousins in, in the house and I wasn't, I'm a nice kid. I didn't really like confrontation. So, but growing up, I went to five different schools from kindergarten to fifth grade. I went to Bailey Gasser, John Rogers, Olympic Hills, John Muir, Madrona. So I never really had that one best friend outside of my family. And so then I went to McClure Middle School. My good friend, Art, uh, I, I was getting bullied in the sixth grade. And he's like, well, I'm going to do something about that. And then it stopped happening. And then come seventh grade, I had a lot of stuff going on in my house. Yeah. And I was seeing a lot of, you know, violence and fighting. And then that's kind of when I started using my anger to fight. And, yeah. it, and people don't talk like a lot about like, <clears throat> like what we see and how we have to like learn it, especially getting bullied, like learning how to navigate that we as black men we don't really get those tools right yeah we grew up in an era where you, you can be weak soft and you know you can talk about it. you can't talk about being bullied i ain't had no older brothers to come defend me and 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 do that so ultimately it, it, i had to take on that responsibility for myself and got tired of being bullied um it, it's frowned upon to talk about your feelings when we was growing up Nobody wants you to, you know, there was nowhere to talk about your emotions or what what you have going on. Nobody, no uncles and cousins is, is really going for that. Yeah. So we got something here on the overlay uh, with some of the pictures like of you growing up. But can you walk me through? Because I see some with, with some brothers up there that you used to go to school with. So as you from middle school and high school, you had a group of brothers or community members that you hung out with a lot. You played football together and y'all went to school together. So tell us, I know I, I'm so used to talking about Gar, uh, Rainer. I want to talk about Rainer Beach one day here, but a lot of my community members went to Garfield. So what was your experience like there? Uh, for middle school, I went to McClure. My mom thought she was sending me, getting me out the CD away from Washington or Meany. Um, ended up going to McClure. Like my freshman year, they were found, like they found guns on our campus. And it, like McClure was almost like another alternative school at the time it was a lot of fights and a lot of stuff going on on queen anne that people don't know about yeah. and then from that i went to garfield for all four years which is the greatest high school in the country okay okay it, it is yes, yes, and it so is. so while i was there um i kind of was going through a lot of like playing sports but not because my grades i wasn't really focused on school and i i had a couple of different groups of friends because if I would have just been stayed outside on the pyramids at the TLC in the, in the, the CD, I probably wouldn't have been as lucky as a lot of my peers and stuff of getting caught up in other things. And, and, and that though, for what I do remember is every time I like, when I remember seeing you were playing all the sports. So what were all the sports that you were playing throughout uh, school? In high school, I played basketball, football, and I ran track. Um, I used to play, I played baseball a lot. Baseball actually was probably my best sport. Um, I, I, I was a left-handed catcher, shortstop, second base. That's like unheard of in baseball. But I've always been confident in sports because that was my outlet to my my upbringing. Like, you know, being around domestic violence in the house, seeing uh, people killed um through gun violence sports was just my outlet like i was that was my safe place i knew i was going to be i was going to take care of myself out there so that's where i i focused on getting past the trauma i was going through can you give me any classic game like where you actually had good marks or scoring scoring sorry me and mikey was talking about this early scoring oh i had 29 <laughs> on franklin um at franklin okay. 
Uh, I had five touchdowns in three quarters uh, my senior year. Uh, I had 19 on Franklin at Garfield. Okay. Uh, so um, I, I had some good moments. I wasn't really the biggest on basketball and in football. I just like I've only been scored on once from my junior year of high school and then my one year of junior college. So I think I'm really up there with one of the best <laughs> of the best okay. in our in our era <laughs> community. Yeah, yeah, like so. I just always want to just make sure like we kind of like uplift that. Like I love when like. I'm listening to y'all like talk about some of the old memories. And yeah, I used to come to some of the games, but a lot of our community members were dope back then. Yeah. I don't really talk about myself. I'm, you don't. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm humble. And the people that know, no, the people that coached me or was around that time, my peers, they know. So yeah. I don't really do a lot of talking at all, <laughs> but, but I'm happy that you're here today. So, you know, as you were going through life, you know, you graduated 03. What was it? I think you went to Dixie, uh, I went right? To Dixie State Junior College. Okay. Um, I was, it was, I was scared to go. Um, as you remember, you know, when I was out there, I kind of got homesick and wasn't hearing from people back home. And I was like, you know, I kind of cut you guys off just because it felt like I had to figure it out again. Like I'm by myself. People can't even pick up a phone to call or check on me. One of the, one of the dopest things for me though, was my guy, Brandon Sutter ended up going to Dixie with me my first year. I'm like, he was smart. He went to Garfield with me all four years. He never had to do that. Like, yeah. but I feel like he, that was his way of kind of like trying to show it for me and help, help for you. Yeah. So that was, that was dope for me to have him there the first year. And and how long did you play? Cause you, you went there all four years, right? Where? Dixie. No, no. I just went there one year because following that summer, I found out I have a, a child on the way and I decided not to go back to uh, the junior college and, figure out how I was going to help raise my daughter. And that's, that is powerful. And, and like, so going through that process, right. What was that like stopping? Like, I mean, from what I remember, you were one of the dopest football players that I remember. Right. Me and Mikey was talking about this earlier too. And it's like, what was like, you literally said, I'm going to stop my career. Cause this is my, this is mine. Right. Yeah. I always told myself, uh, when I have kids, I was going to be there for them. I wasn't, you know, my, my dad wasn't there. Unfortunately, uh, he went to jail for murder, but I always knew regardless of what the situation was, I was going to be present in my kid's life to, to get him a foundation that I didn't have. And so a lot of things that I'm doing now or even speaking now or like trying to navigate life now is because it was, things I didn't have. I didn't, you know, have the best family structure. I didn't have nobody telling me, oh yeah, um, you know, go read your books, go to college and, you know, earn your degree. I didn't have nobody teaching me how to take quarter girl for Tolo or none of those things. And so I learned off of, I tell people I learned a lot of stuff off of broken love or broken ways. Yeah. And so, but I didn't want to be those ways. So no father, I'm gonna be a father to my kids. And that is powerful. And, you know, um, what has the impact of like uh, your daughter's name is Lasia. Yeah. Uh, um, so what has been the impact of like having her in your life? Uh, it's, it's been a, a great blessing. Um, um, she's amazing. Like she played football in middle school. She done. Vo she did volleyball. She jumps off high dive. She's lifeguard certified. Uh, she's a senior this year um, applying for colleges and stuff. And like, she's always been like, both my kids have always been like happy. Like I, I enjoy the fact that they 
dance. They make videos of themselves. They have fun. Like she's been on Nickelodeon. She's played all sports. Yeah. She's she's just talented and beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. Shout out to Lay. I know she's watching. Uh, you know, and I want to talk to more because I mean, there's so much more to your story. Your beautiful son. You you in your areas of evolution. There's so much more to unpack, but we'll unpack some more of that when we come back. You're watching. We live in color. COVID-19 hurt my income, my health, and my family. We were about to lose our home when we heard we might be eligible for homeowner assistance funds from the government. We called 1-877-894-HOME, and a housing counselor stepped in, talked to our lender, and saved our home. Federal funding details at WashingtonHalf.org. That's WashingtonHAF.org. And we're back. You're watching We Live in Color. And I'm here with educator, coach Brandon Sanchez. <laughs> He's laughing at me, but he got it. OK, so you moved back home. Yep. And beautiful baby girl. What was it like kind of moving back home in that in that space? Right. Like it was um, it was hard, like I said, because, you know, while I was down in St. George, Utah, I kind of cut people off because that's kind of just been a protection for me like if I feel like somebody's not showing up which I've been used to my whole life it's like all right cool I don't I don't need it I got it I'll figure it out um even when I I had met with um <laughs> Kiana's dad he wanted to meet just to try to help me navigate the space of being young 19 about to have a kid and I was just like oh I'm cool like I had it all figured out but there was no other there was no other adults no uncles no cousins like checking to help me navigate that space. And I just was real being real stubborn. And yeah, were you still that angry kid still? Yeah, I still, okay. I still didn't have a, you know, there still wasn't no uh, support. Like, like I'm still thinking like, even when I was a kid, I'm playing these sports and I'm winning all these accolades and stuff. There's nobody showing up to support me. There's nobody coming to nothing at the school. Like even when I talk about the Franklin game, didn't nobody, I didn't go home and somebody was like, Oh, great game or good job. Oh, you're doing really good. Yeah. Like, that stuff wasn't happening for me. Yeah. So that's like, like even now, like I'm like reassurance and recognition of like, you're doing the right stuff. It, it feels good to yeah. get that stuff from people. Yeah. That's real. You know, uh, and like, as you were going through that, right. Still angry. Right. There were a lot of things that kind of just impacted because life was easy, but then, yeah, then things happen. Yeah. So, yeah, like one of one of the big things that kind of was an eye opener to just how I was navigating the space and um and living and fighting and arguing and going out. Um, I got shot two months prior to my daughter's second birthday. OK. And what was that? Can you walk us through that? You uh, mind unpacking that? Was out out with my friends over in the university district, uh, just doing out, kicking it, hanging out. Um, kind of a friend that got into it with somebody else, ended up smoothing it out and it being cool. Kind of walked down the block and then argument kind of ensued again, me and my friend. And there's two dudes right next to us. They both had guns. Uh, I seen it at my friend's stomach. So I just hit it and told him to run. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to get behind no car, so I was just running down the street. And then I, fe I felt like I couldn't, I couldn't keep running, and so I fell. And then I like kind of hid behind some cars, but I thought I like just twisted my ankle bad or something. But then I was like, I need to go to the hospital, and I tried to get out to walk, and I like fell, and there was just blood in the bottom of my LeBrons, yeah. and I was like, I got shot. 
And so that was, there was a lot of people at the hospital. And that was, that was another time where it felt like, you know, people want to see you go through something or you like be nosy. Right. And so like, cause at, after that, there wasn't nobody, after I got shot, people found out I was cool. Nobody was coming to the hospital room before I was discharged. Nobody came out my mom's house really. I just was telling my good friend, uh, Janelle, like how I appreciate her coming by to visit me because there wasn't a lot of people doing that. I know a lot of people was at school and doing their own, like had, had their life to live, but Mikey, uh, he stayed with me a couple nights because he was over there with, I think, torn something or broken ankle. And we yeah, were just laid up together. Up something. We just laid up together hurt. I fell flat on, flat on my face because I was on oxys. And, yeah. But there wasn't, like, that was another lonely time where it's like, okay, nobody's showing up again. And this is something where I could have lost my life. Yeah. And it, it just, I, you, I held on to that. Do you, I was going to say, do you still live with that pain? Uh, Yeah, but after <laughs> what happened a couple months back, that's what, like kind of pushed me into like not using old ways yeah. to cope or not. Like I, I can't be the 21 year old that's 37. You still using those same ways to move forward in life and support my yeah. kids or kids I work with. Yeah. That's, a, that that's important. You know, I, I think that, you know, you going through that um, as your friend, like I watched that, 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 you kind of shell up a little bit more yeah. um, and you came back home, but you started working and you were working yeah. at a job. I, um, I was work. I actually started first. I was trying to finish school. So I went to shoreline was working part-time. It just wasn't working out. It was at UPS. And then um, the fall of 05, I got hired at Pepsi. And so I was there for 11 and a half years. And how was, what was that transition like? Cause you were, you were working nonstop throughout yeah. that process. right? It was, it was rough because it was long hours there. And at the, at first it started, like my job would start at seven. I worked till seven, sometimes eight, nine can't leave cause I'm bottom on seniority. So there's, there's, I'm making money, but I'm not being awesome. I'm not being an active father. Like, cause it's just work and sleep and change diapers here and there. And then as, as my daughter got older, like there was no, I wasn't being as present as I would like to assume I was. Yeah. And, and, and throughout that space, right. I, I know how much you love school, right. Um, that were furthering your education. So was there ever a time where you had to go to school full time or did you ever have to make a sacrifice? Yeah. Uh, ultimately once I, um, at the end of my time at Pepsi and I just like, you know, this kind of isn't for me. Um, I started coaching you football and I was like, okay, like I like working with kids. I know I like I like raising my kids. So maybe I do something in that field. Who were you cuss? Who were you not cussing? <laughs> who could you do be cussing? But who who you coach? Who were you coaching for? Uh, I coached uh, the CD Panthers for okay. two years. Okay. And prior to those two years, I would go up there probably like help here and there. And my guy Freddie G, rest in peace. He would be like, "Man, you got these people out here playing that are coaching that ain't never even done nothing. You got to do more than just walk up here and." say hi and bye. And like, that's what kind of pushed me into coaching. And then I convinced my good friend indoor to come coach with me. And then from that, we ended up at um, Kennedy Catholic. Okay. Kennedy Catholic. So like, but making that sacrifice, right. You, you talked a lot about uh, like, you talk a lot outside of here about furthering your education yeah. and you had to make a sacrifice of you were doing really good at Pepsi. Yeah. So uh, what was it? Can you walk us through that? Yeah. Once I realized I, I ultimately was trying to get a promotion to be uh kind of more like a warehouse 
manager type thing because I had already done. I was a shop steward there. I, I worked on the floor. I knew the whole warehouse. I it, I knew the whole neighborhood. Um, and it kind of was like I was kind of pushed out, like not deserving of a position that I was overqualified for. So I got back into school, wanted to finish my AA. And then I, I first left from Pepsi and was working there and for the school district because I had enough personal time and stuff to just only work a day or two here and there. So I mean, for you to give up your good job, right? Yeah. Very, yeah. Making that sacrifice was, did you deal with any type of hardships in that space? Like, I mean, some people be like, wait, you're making good money. Yeah, Why would you I, go I back? I wasn't really supported. Uh, me and my guy, Anthony Washington talk a lot about just how um, people like your own people don't really show up for you when you need that push or that, Oh man, you're, you got it. You'll figure it out. Like there's, there wasn't a lot of that from my own people. It was people that I wouldn't expect supporting me saying, that's a good idea for you. You'll be great at that. And I was working, I had to, I went from working just the one job to I had to work two jobs, be in school full time and help, you know, raise my son that was living with me. So. Yeah. And just, and just, and your son. So what year was Micah born? Micah was born in 2011. Yeah. So, well, so having a daughter and then having a son. Tell us a little bit about Micah. Yeah. Uh, Micah's a clown, man. Like Micah, he loves basketball. Uh, he he gone along TikTok, making he's dancing. <laughs> like he's the little kid I never got to be. Yeah. Like he's in, just enjoying his life. He's throwing shades on. He's making friends, and like I, I just love it. I love it for him. I love to see him grow and become the young man that he's becoming. There was just, I would say, like, watching you have Alasia and then watching you have Micah, for people that know you, right? Just watch this kind of, this change that happened within you. It was, um, it was, it's, it sucks because, like, you know, Alasia was my first kid and, like, I didn't feel like I did the best. I know I didn't do the best. And so that was part of the reason why her mom left to California with her and Ultimately, Elijah ended up living a very good life while yeah. they while they moved down there. But with my son, it just like I just felt like I had to be more hands on, more more intentional with how I'm raising him because I want him to be a reflection of me as a young like a young man and continue to build a solid foundation for both of my kids to build off of. Yeah, and you are building a solid foundation not just with your with your kids as well as your friends, but also with the students that you work with, right? Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about like what you're doing now because you wear very many hats. You coach so many teams. Yeah, so coaching, as, um, as far as coaching, I, I just like to tell kids I'm not a coach. I'm, I'm, I'm a coach, but I'm teaching you life lessons. The things that you incorporate from football translate to real life. You're not going to always like your coach. You're not always going to like your manager. You're not always going to like their coworker. So you got to take, you got to figure out how to be successful with this team or how you're going to move forward with working with people you don't get along with or how you're going to work harder to be, be the starter or be the top person. And then um, when we talk about this, the students that I work with, um, I work at interagency. So there's a lot of kids that are going through. Can you explain to people like what interagency so is? Interagency is an alternative school that provides an alternative learning experience for kids. Um, a lot of kids come with, you know, trauma, homeless. Um, they come from uh, possibly gang involvement. They they have 
Some of them are doing the going to court. They're they're trying to figure out life and with COVID and just already their personal challenges they're going through in their household is hard for them. And so like they need more, they need more people to be in this space. Uh, they need more people supporting, you know, mental health awareness. They need more people providing resources for them that they're, that you can get at your comprehensive school, but you're not getting it where the kids really need it the most. Yeah. And through, throughout that space, right. You've been working um, in this position, like as an, as an advocate, as an advocate. Yeah. So you. I'm right now, I'm a, a reentry intervention specialist. So I support kids coming to our program, but I also try to support kids going back to, if let's say a kid's going back to Franklin, I want to make sure they're credit, not credit deficient. I want to make sure that if they were suspended, that we've worked on um, supporting, giving them supports so that they can go back to a school that has a thousand kids and be successful. Go back to a classroom that has 30 kids and be able to do independent work or work with it, work in a group. You know, that seems that seems tough, but at the same time, navigating um, kids, right, yeah. and, and mentoring them is a lot. What can community do to help better support those kids in that space? I think um, there needs to be more intentional support for the young African-American males that we all know are not being as supported in Seattle public schools. I think there needs to be more intentional support and resources allocated to those programs so they can receive possibly the mental health services they need. They can receive after school programs. They can receive um, discounted access to possibly kickboxing or some something else to do. Like when I was in high school, there was always something to do after school. There was Absolutely. a place to go. Um, well, there were also was a community yeah, around it, yeah. right? A lot of the kids are coming from, if I'm not wrong, but coming from other areas, yeah. like around. Even transportation, like there's no bus, there's no buses. So everybody has to get on the bus or use an orca card. Um, even on the weekends, like we would have places to go play basketball. We had late night till midnight and yeah. then you got a van dropping you off. You get to eat, you get to run around. You're able to enjoy being a kid. A lot of the, there's no spaces to be a kid no more. Yeah. And, and that's real, you know, and, um, and what we hope community can be able to support um, interagency and all the work that they have been doing for a number of years. Yeah. Staff there is amazing, but I, I always just find that there's just a big call to action to continue to support, um, quote unquote, all schools in yeah. general, but alternative schools. Yeah, there's always more work to be done, whether it's personal, whether it's through group, whether it's through community through schools, there's always more work that can be done. Absolutely. So I do want to ask you some more questions because I know that <laughs> 2020 was something, but 2022 was something else. So we'll get into that in just a second. I'm here with Brandon Sanchez and you are watching We Live in Color. And we're back with We Live in Color. I'm here with Brandon Sanchez. So, I mean, we've, we've unpacked a lot. We've been talking about a lot. I'm so happy that you're here. You know, but you, we talked a lot about you starting to work as an educator and let alone you being a coach, right? So what has like the last three, four years been, five years been for you? Uh, I would probably say as an adult, that's probably been the most challenging time of my life to navigate. Uh, I I ultimately ended up probably about five years, five years ago, almost six, had to go through a court, co-parenting court case, um, just as far as trying to fight for my rights of, 
being having my son, like, you know, I spoke a lot about my kids. Like those are the most important people in my life. Cause I have to continue to show up for them, but that was hard navigating that space by myself, like filling out paperwork, knowing I have to get a copy to the, the defendant and get a copy to the court. Like there's a lot of things navigating that space that we don't know as black men. And like, there are places to help you with that, but those are conversations that we should be having a lot more amongst each other yeah. to support. Do you think that there's any conversations? No, I don't, a lot of people are too prideful. Um, that's part of the reason why, you know, I chose to even just show up here. Like my daughter would be like, tell your story, like tell your story. There's a lot more, but it's like, this is just how I feel. Like we should be able to have more conversations. Like Who should be able to? Black men, okay? <laughs> men, like we should be able to cry, not just to our therapist or to, our wife or girlfriend, like there, there should be more outlets we give each other, but we, we don't give us that space. Like we got to be able to give ourselves grace to be that, to be vulnerable, to, to show up for yourself. Um, I'm, I, I try to tell my kids they need to go to therapy. I'm in therapy. So like, okay. Like, so I, let's, you know, I love me some therapy. <laughs> Shout out to Washington therapy fund, but, but tell us your th therapy experience. Uh, it's been, it's been great. I, I started back about five years ago when, um, me and my son's mom had split and just trying to figure out what I needed because of me navigating spaces out of anger or me feeling like, you know, I, I view things win and lose. Like there's, I don't know the in-between. I don't know the, I didn't really know about emotions, regulating the regulating emotions or emotional intelligence until this year talking about my emotions. Like, no, it's more than anger. Why are you, why are you, why are you just mad? Um, so I'm learning how to step through the spaces versus just saying, all right, no, whatever is cool. Or yeah, I, I won or like in that space. And that's, that's real, you know, and um, I did want to talk a little bit about this year. Yeah. Um, Cause like community, well, you just disappeared for a minute. Right. <laughs> and I'm not used, I'm so used to, used to me playing the, pulling the disappearing ass, yeah. but you pull one, right. Yeah. Um, do you want to, do you feel yeah, comfortable could, unpacking? Unpacking. Okay. So, so back in um, July, I um, ultimately was, I, I ended up losing 60 pounds in four weeks. Um, I didn't know what was going on with me. I didn't, I wasn't able to eat. I was unrecognizable. I was not, I, I was at a point where I was like, oh, I'm gonna die. Like it was probably, it was scarier than being shot. Did you know what was going on? No, okay. I had, um, well, three weeks prior, I found out that I had got um, nuanced diabetes. Okay. And so. Can you explain a little bit about nuanced diabetes? Uh, where my body's storing all the sugar and using everything else. They're, it's eating away of my fat. The sugar's just constant and my blood sugar's high. My A1C's high and I'm not able to eat. But so the day um, I found out, I wasn't, I didn't even want to have my mom come pick me up, but my friend Brandon wasn't answering. So I had to call my mom and she, she seen me and she just was like, what's going on with you? I was like, I have to go to the hospital to, to check on my um, pancreas. And so I didn't know, or, and my kidney. I didn't know if I was having kidney failure or whatever. I had to be rushed to the emergency room, spend five days there. And like, I just kind of, like my daughter would be calling me. I wouldn't answer because I didn't like the way I look, you know, as yeah. somebody I let come up there. Yeah. I would. I just didn't want. I pretty much kicked you out after you. You, you, you <laughs> did. You kicked me out. I was about to. I was about to tear that hospital up. Yeah. But but it's. But you had. But you did have that 
compared to like before, right? Yeah. You had the support, yeah, right? I had the support, but I didn't realize, I didn't use the people I was supposed to. I didn't lean on the people because I was so used to not having people show up or telling somebody I need them and they be there. And yeah. so instead of doing that, I re- I, I went back to my old ways and was like, I'll figure it out. I'll be all right. And it wasn't fair to nobody, especially people that were in my circle that was, that I know would have showed up for me if I'd have let them. Yeah. And then now here we are, right? You are just as open as I've ever seen before, (laughs) but just knowing that you are, are, are doing so many other things in community, right? Yeah. So what's going on with Kennedy? Have y'all lost the game yet? Yeah, we lost the first game of the season oh, okay. against Eastside Catholic. Um, playoffs start this week. So we'll have our uh, playoff game on, at 1 o'clock at Highline uh, Memorial. If people want to come support, <laughs> come the, support the Lancers, yeah. we plan on making it you know, a fun ride. Hopefully we're playing in December for a state title. Yeah, and then your work with um, interagency, um, how can people support those efforts? Um, I think just if, if school board meetings, um, just speaking out, um, if there's resources available in the community that, you know, that young adults, teenagers, um, even, you know, school, we, we provide school access up to 21 GED program. If there's people out there that have information or resources that can support young people, I'm more than willing to take it back to my principal, my admin. And, and that's important, y'all. Do you have a work email you want to give? Oh, you know. Okay, well, we can do that later. <laughs> you're looking at me like you're stretching it, and I am. But um, in the meantime, we do have um, we, the We Live in Color tribute. Um, it, and before you say um, who you would like to tribute, um, I would like you to save that because um, this show is about you mm. and the work that you do. Mm. I celebrate you as a friend. We have been through many things. But um, I'm not the only person that feels that way. Curtis. Sandy, what's up, bro? It's your boy, Nate Rob, in the building, man. Uh, Just wanted to say, man, I appreciate you, man. I've been knowing you since we were kids, man. You've grown so much uh, from being a good friend, uh, a great father, and just a cool bro. And I really appreciate you, man. And uh, God bless you and your family and continue to grow. Show kids, uh, you know, what it takes. Uh, to be successful young man in this world. Uh, being a great coach, I uh, really appreciate you helping out the kids and doing what you do every day, bro. Blessings, love. When I think about Brandon Sanchez, I think about growth. Um, I think about sacrifice. And I think about a man who didn't allow his excuses to become his reality. I've been knowing Sandy for 24 going on 25 years so I could probably assist him with telling his his life story Um, phenomenal father phenomenal mentor phenomenal friend someone who will literally give the shirt off his back to a complete stranger and someone who is constantly trying to evolve and turn himself into a better man Um, couldn't be more proud to call myself a friend of his, um, extremely, extremely proud of him and really looking forward to what's to come. Sandy, Sandy, proud of you, man. You've made a lot of changes. Uh, there's been a lot of growth. People know you for a lot of things. Um, a lot of people may not know how selfless you are, you know, how caring, uh, 
and how vulnerable you made yourself over these last couple of years, man. You, you talk about your experiences to help others. Uh, you've been real selfless, man. You know, just appreciate you. Uh, we're supporting you. And just keep growing, man. Sky's the limit. Love you, bro. So congratulations, Brandon Sanchez, my guy, B. Sandy. Uh, man, I see you doing great things out there back in the town, bro. And I salute you, man. For real, for real. Keep it going, man. And we're going to give you your roses right now because you deserve them, bro. So congratulations, man. A heart member. My guy, Brandon Sanchez, a.k.a. Sanny, a.k.a. Sandwich. You was known as a low fighter. Now you're known as fighting for the kids in our community, trying to change the narrative for for the youth. Man, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of the, the coach you became, the father you became, and the brother you became, man. Congratulations. Sandy Sassolini, or should I say Mr. Sanchez, because we've grown now. Um, but I just want to say that I am amazed to see the grown man that you've become, the father that you've become. It is not easy being raised by a single mother. And to know you back in high school when you were just an angry child, to see you making a choice to become the grown man that you are and the father that you are and the commitment that you have to your own personal growth and your children is amazing. And I am thankful and blessed to know you. Congratulations. Sani, I heard we were shining a light on you. So just wanted to stop by and say that I also am proud of you, have acknowledged your growth into the man that you are, um, the man that you're becoming, and the father that you've always been. Um, again, extremely proud of you. I know that a lot of people around you are. Um, you're doing it right, so keep it up. Um, love you, friend. Hey, Mr. Sanchez, just wanted to let you know that I'm proud of you. And I acknowledge all of the hard work that you've put in to becoming a better man and a better father. Uh, once upon a time, there was a hot-headed, stubborn young man, but God, won't he do it? Um, has truly done a transformation in your life that has allowed us to peacefully co-parent um, and also gave you the ability to be a positive role model within your community. So keep doing great things and keep reaching for your goal to make a positive impact on all the young people that you encounter. My nigga Sandy, you will always be B is for beefing. Okay, we've had this conversation of growth over like the past couple of years and you've really been putting a lot of work into it. Um, we've been able to relate, me and you, because we had that reputation of being angry and crazy. And so you've always acknowledged my, you know, growth and I hope I've acknowledged yours because I really am proud of you. Even you being willing to go on a show and express yourself shows a lot. So you should be proud of yourself also. And like you always tell me, just keep going at your own pace. And you know, whether you decide to be the bigger person or whoop some ass, I got your back, my nigga. So yeah, I'm glad your daughter asked your people to do this because you really do deserve your flowers now. Love you. Uh, what's up? It's Namir. Happy birthday, Uncle Sandy. Uh, I just want to say thank you for always uh, being supportive, even though, you know, when I didn't ask and always being there supporting even uh, decisions that I make. And, you know, I always had fun playing, you know, 2K, playing the game with you, even with my little scrub friends. Always pretty cool uncle, always doing that with me. So I really appreciate that. And, you know, uh, 
definitely were there when I was a kid too. So I definitely really just want to say thank you for, you know, being a part of my life when I was growing up. So thank you. Yes. <clears throat> we celebrate you, brother. How's how did how's it feel taking that in? <laughs> that was that was beautiful. Uh, I really appreciate everybody that said something. Um all those people really know me and seen uh the work I've put in to be in this space. So I know I gotta continue going for myself as well as my friends and family and people in the community. So that's my my plan. Well, that's not all. We got some more people here. So, you know, know, we got a couple more people here. Come on, Mikey. Don't play with me. Come on, AG. Let's go. At the end of the day, you know, we we all here for you, brother. You know, come on, Mikey. Come on this side. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I just wanted to tell you. Come on, man. I just wanted to tell you, bro, that I appreciate you and being appreciating. You know, we grew up together been through it all, you know, we don't seen it all and you helped me mature a lot in life, you know, and it's been some tough times and most definitely you don't looked out for me and I don't live with you and everything, man. And I just appreciate you, bro. And I love you, you know, and you're, you're most definitely doing big shit. You know what I'm saying? So I'm always here for, you, you know, I got your back regardless and this guy, you know, <laughs> I got your back, man. And, you know, and, I, and I'm proud of you, what you're doing, man. Thanks. Love you, bro. Yeah. Brother, brother, brother Sanchez, man. You know, I love you, dog. Even though you give me, you know, hell all the time, man. But, you know, you're always my bro. You've been there for me even when that little situation happened back when we was in high school, man. And I, I got through out the house. You was right there for me, bro. You had my back through all the thorns and all that, man. I love you, dog. Appreciate everything you do for the community. Thank you, bro. Love you, too. Thank you very much. Say, get up out of here, man. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about this after so. Um But in the meantime, like in closing, like I was saying before, you know, I talk a lot to O. And um, homeboy Dre and people at Converge, you know, why we live in color is here and so happy for that. But personally, for myself, um, when I think about myself living in color is because of people like yourself. You are my brother. You have literally pushed me to my limits and pushing me to show up for myself. When I have failed seven times, you made me stand up eight And I appreciate you coming on this show in your full self. I can't wait to see the the other things that you have going on in community. I will be there to support you wins and wins because it ain't no more losing here. I appreciate it. I love you. Never losing. It's always lessons. Yes. Oh, oh, I knew he was going to drop one of them gems today. I knew he was going to drop one, but I thank you, brother. And I love you, ma'am. I love you too. Appreciate it. This was... This is one of my, this is my favorite show because I'm mean, just having my best friend here and having there's other community members that, that don't have an opportunity to be vulnerable or, or an opportunity to look at their life and be able to get the support that they need. Black men lead in case anyone got it, get us it twisted, but we also need to be in an area to fully support our brothers out here. There are so many community organizations and people out there doing the work. Cortez Charles, I see you. Dre Franklin, I see you. Marvin Marshall, I see you. Omari Salisbury, Cun Love, I see you. Teezy, I see you. 
Kendrick, I see you. Uh, and, and there's so many other people that I can name in this in this space. But um, at, at the end of the day, um, I, the show is 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 an opportunity for us to when you do see a black man show up for him just as much as you need him to show up for you. You're watching We Live in Color. Have a great night. Converge Media produces culturally relevant content for Black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.